0: Thank you for listening to the Hope Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and encourages you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and resources, visit hopeboon.com. Oh, What a great day it is to be together this morning in the house of the Lord. How many of you are happy in this place today? Thank you, sir amen amen thanks man appreciate it oh man what a great day hallelujah i want to say good morning to you and welcome if this is your first time with us here at hope church we're so thankful that you're here we believe that god's got something in store for you this morning if you're expecting god to speak to you today anybody come on let me hear you are you expecting god to speak to you this morning i know i am praise god Amen. Well, if I have not met you yet, my name is Joshua Thurman. My wife, Brienne and I are the pastors here at Hope Church, and we're so thrilled to be with you today and to be in the presence of God together. Amen. I have a couple things I want to share to, with you this morning um, as we get into the Word together. Amen. A um, couple, of, couple of just real quick things I want to say, and then I'll jump into what I want to talk about with you this morning. Um, Two things I want to bring your attention to. The first one is uh, Vision Sunday, which is coming up February 5th. How many of you are excited about that? Yeah. Um, I can tell you this year, you know, we've been doing Vision Sundays now at the beginning of February for, I don't know, four or five years now, three, four years, something like that. And, um, Every year, it's something special. Every year, the Lord gives us a word that we can stand on for that year. Every year, God gives us something that is significant. What I can tell you uh, is that this year, it's different. There's something about it that's that's special and, and feels more significant. God is drawing my heart as the pastor back to some of the things that he spoke to my heart and to my wife's heart. Uh, many years ago before we even moved to Boone and before we even came to start this church. Uh, It's as though God's reminding me of some things. And I'm here to tell you that when we talk about Vision Sunday on the 5th, it's not just gonna be Vision for 2023. It's Vision for Hope Church. It's vision for the destiny that God has placed in this body of believers, and I believe you're a part of it. If you call Hope Church home, then I want to I want to tell you, you need to be here for Vision Sunday. Amen? So let's plan on that. That's February 5th. And then uh, February 11th, the Saturday following February 5th, is our Grow Day. Uh, we did Grow Day. We launched Grow Day last year, and last year it's it looked a little different than it's going to look going forward, because last year was a training for volunteers, and we spent like four or five hours together on a Saturday morning and we had lunch and we had a, we had a nice time. It was really excellent. Uh, this year we've changed the, the emphasis of it and I want to read it to you so that I get it correct. Um, but it's going to be February the 11th for two hours from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. And the purpose of it, the purpose of Grow Day, is to provide an opportunity for engagement, connection, and empowerment into what God has called us to do here at Hope Church. So maybe you're attending the church. Maybe you've come a handful of times, and you're like, "I like I like this church, but I'm not involved. But I would like to be involved. This is your opportunity." Uh, in fact, my wife said it really brilliantly the other day. She said, "If you want to go from attending this church to becoming part of your church, you want you need to be here at Grow Day." Amen. I mean, if you know, this isn't just my church, and it's not just my wife's church. Uh, we're not those kinds of pastors. Uh, this is a church. This is your church. Amen. if you call Hope Church home this morning, this is your church. This is what God has called you to, and you have a place in this ministry. And, and uh, I believe that we're going to get stirred up about vision, and then we're going to put it into practice. Uh, so come out February 11th from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m., okay? Uh, Vanessa's going to have more announcements at the end of the service, but I just wanted to share those things because they're on my heart. Amen. This weekend... Uh, In fact, I think it was Friday. I was talking. Frankie and I were talking on the phone. I was driving to work, driving into the office. And I kept coming back in my heart to Psalm 1611. It's a verse that we quote all the time. It says, you lead me in the path of life, and in your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Um. I don't know about you, but, you, you, well, you've probably heard me quote that a bunch of times. Anybody ever heard me quote that scripture before? In your presence is fullness of joy. Yeah, like 6,000 times, right? I think sometimes we reduce the meaning of that scripture to events or to moments in time, right? Like, like we have a worship service, and we're going to be in the presence of God together on a Sunday morning in his presence, his fullness of joy. So, so we reduce that to this idea that if I can come together and worship with the believers, then I'm going to receive some joy. Or we think of it in this way, like maybe I'm going to have a really good quiet time at home. It's just going to be me and God, and I'm going to get into his presence. And when I get into his manifested presence, I'm going to receive joy. And all of those things are very true and extremely valid. But as I was meditating on it on Friday, I saw something in there that I don't often think of and don't often emphasize, and that is this. If we believe what we believe about God, that he's omnipresent, that he's everywhere, always at the same time to the same degree, then the promise of that scripture is not just that I'll find joy when I come to a worship service. The promise of that scripture is that if I abide in him and I'm perpetually linked to him, that I'm perpetually linked to his presence, which means I'm perpetually linked to his joy. So that I don't, what I'm getting at is that you don't have to wait to come to a church service on Sunday to access the joy uh, that's found in the presence of the Lord. Because if you believe what the Bible says, then the Lord is present with you everywhere you go. And so his presence is always there. David said it, where can I go? Where can I hide from your presence? Where can I go that you are not also there? If I make my bed in hell, There you are. Everywhere I go, the presence of the Lord is with me. I heard a preacher say this recently. He said, if God is as big as he says he is, he shouldn't be very hard to find. (laughs) Amen. I want to encourage you this morning. If you're you're a believer, if you trust in the Lord Jesus this morning, then you have 24-7 access to his joy into his presence. Don't let the devil talk you out of getting everything that God has in store for you in his presence. Amen. Do you believe that this morning? Amen. Hey, that's not what I'm preaching about. So it's just something I wanted to tell you. Amen. I want to, um, I actually do want to talk to you about a subject that's different from that, but it'll, it'll dovetail pretty nicely, I think. I want to talk to you this morning about confessing the word of God over your life. I didn't know that the worship team was going to sing Psalm 23 when the Lord was talking to me about it. They didn't know I was going to preach on confessing the word. And then Leslie uh, exhorted us to do that in between one of the songs. How many of you know that the Holy Spirit's just way smarter than you and me? Put together. Amen. (laughs) I believe God's got something to say to his people this morning. I want to talk about confessing the word of God over your life. And I would invite you to turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. While you're turning there, let's make our confession of faith together that we like to make around here. You'll see this on your screen. If you're watching us online, you'll see this on your screen as well. Let's declare this out loud together today. Say it. Thank you, Father, that today the eyes of my heart see you The ears of my heart hear you. My heart and mind perceive and understand your word and your will. Today I am growing in the things of God. You say, Pastor, why do we say that every time we get up to preach here at Hope Church? Well, if you pay attention to the message, I'll tell you exactly why over the next 35 minutes. Let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, we thank you for another opportunity to come before your word and receive Lord, I praise you and I thank you that the scripture says the entrance of your word brings light. So this morning, I thank you that light is coming out of your word. Illumination, wisdom from heaven is coming out of this word and penetrating our hearts. I thank you that the Bible says your word makes wise the simple, that you give understanding and wisdom to those who need it. So we ask you this morning to speak out of your word. Bring us heaven's wisdom that we might live. We give you praise for it in Jesus' name. If you believe it, say amen and amen. All right. So Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Again, I want to talk to you about confessing the word of God over your life. This is not a subject that I've taught on in quite a long time. And I feel the Lord uh, bringing us back to it this morning. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Simple verse, simple concept, very deep, very strong implications in this verse. Let's read it again. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. I want to draw our attention this morning to the importance, I'll say it that way, the importance of what it is that we as believers are confessing and saying about God, about ourselves, about our families, about our lives, what we say has mega, massive implications in what happens in our lives. I, 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 want to, I want to come at this subject this morning. Here's what I don't want to do. Let me say this real quick and get this out of the way. I don't want to come at this subject as though it's a uh, genie in the lamp situation. Uh, this is not hocus pocus, right? We're not casting spells over here by trying to quote God's word. So that's not what I'm talking about. However, we're foolish to assume that the words that come out of our mouth have no implication or no meaning in our lives. I want want you to think about this reality for a second, that God created you and me. He created humanity as the only species in all of his creation That has the ability to speak, number one. And number two, has the ability to speak his word. Your dog, though he makes a lot of noise barking. Your kitty cat, though she meows. I don't know why dogs are always boys and cats are always girls. In my mind, anyways. (laughs) The birds out in the trees chirping away. They're making noise. But they don't have the capacity to speak and to declare the word of the living God. You do. (laughs) I don't know whether to think about this as a responsibility or a privilege. How about both? What we say about our lives, maybe even more importantly, what we say about God matters. Amen. So I want to talk about this subject for a little bit today. Is that all right with you? Amen. So let's start with a little bit of definition, and then we'll move down through some of these notes that i prepared. What what do we mean when we use the word confessing or confession? We see it uh, in this verse, and I'm going to show you some other verses that use the same terminology. What do we mean when we say that we're confessing God's word. What does the word confession mean? Biblically, this word relates to what we are declaring or professing publicly. When a person gets saved, the Bible says in Romans 10, we'll go read it here in just a little bit. It says that with the heart man believes and with the mouth, confession is made to salvation. So, Um, When you get saved, the, the, the act of getting saved, the very first thing you do as a Christian is confess the lordship of Jesus Christ. Well, how many of you know the way you start something is often the way you should continue it? The Bible says we're saved by grace through faith. you think that stops at salvation? No, everything in your life happens by grace through faith. And in the same manner, the the, the confession that you used to receive Jesus, the, the words that you spoke, the believing in your heart, which then became words coming out of your mouth, a public declaration of your affection and submission to Jesus, that same process is designed to work through your whole life, not just the moment you get saved. God intends for us to declare and speak his word all the time. In fact, I believe we're still going to be declaring and speaking the word of God in heaven. I don't believe it even ends on this planet. Like when you get on the other side of your last breath, you're going to get to heaven and you're still going to go. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. You know what I'm saying? You're still going to go. Oh, Lord, in your presence, there is fullness of joy. I'm here. I made it. You follow what I'm saying? This is important. We're talking about you saying the things that are based on what you truly believe. We're talking about confessing the word of God and declaring the word of God over your life. And it's not mystical. It's not metaphysical. It's not weird. It's spiritual and it's powerful and it's real. Amen. Sometimes I worry or get concerned that people who don't have a charismatic background like I do would get, you know, nervous and weirded out by by talking about declaring the word of God over our life. Oh, Pastor, that sounds weird. You know what? It actually doesn't because it's just spiritual and it's just how God designed things to be. It's like somebody said if you're not comfortable with it, adjust your comfort. Right? Amen. Well, I don't like that. Well, change your like. Because then we ain't changing. God's not changing his standard for us to fit our comforts. Amen. So we're talking about saying the things based on what you truly believe. Let me give you a great example of this. Y'all want a great example of this? Bumper stickers. Bumper stickers are a fantastic example of confession. It's what the person on the inside of the car really believes, and he wants everybody to know about it do y'all ever ever get behind one of these people who's got like 17,000 bumper stickers on the back of their car? You're just like, dude, you're all over the map. (laughs) They don't know what they believe. Amen. This is what I truly believe, and here's the declaration I'm making about it. The bumper sticker is a great example. Now, this topic, I want to say a couple things, and then we'll dive into a few more verses and make some points. But this topic seems to me to be treated in one of three ways. Seems to me to be treated in one of three ways. Number one, it's treated, uh, or, or it's it's not treated. It's not talked about at all in much of Christianity. In fact, there are whole segments of the body of Christ who would, who would act very strange and look at you very funny if you, if you encouraged them to confess the word over their lives, which, which is really weird to me because if you go back and study church history, if you go back to the first century, you'll find that confessions and professions are what framed the church in the early parts of the first century. There were creeds, things like the Apostles' Creed. You ever heard of the Apostles' Creed before? You ever heard of the Nicene Creed before? The church was founded on the basis of this collective group of people having a unified declaration of what it was that they believed. And over time, over the centuries, that has changed. So you get to the point now where a lot of Christians don't even talk about or don't even think about confessing what they believe. It's like, it's, it's almost become something that we hide. Like, I believe in Jesus, and I'll talk about it when I'm at home with somebody I really trust. I don't really want to talk about it in the public. I don't want to make anybody feel weird. So, this idea of confession either doesn't get talked about, or, this is number two, it gets so overly emphasized Confession is so emphasized and so nitpicked over that people get afraid to say anything because they're nervous that they're going to say something wrong. Anybody relate to that? I know I do. And then there's a third example or a third way that this topic seems to be addressed. And that is it gets misrepresented and hijacked by the world and by popular culture. The world loves the idea of making positive confessions over your life. They just don't want Jesus to be in there. They, they, they just want to take God's word out of it. And so when we take God's word out of the equation, we're left with egotistical affirmations and positive self-talk. The stuff of TikTok and Instagram gurus. Come on. It's, you've watched some of this stuff that comes across the social media channels. It's like, wake up every morning and tell yourself, I am worthy. <laughs> I am powerful. I am enough. Y'all heard the I am enough? I've had enough with I am enough. You see, when you take God's word out of it, it just becomes a self-centered confession. And guess what? When the word of God is taken out of it, the power of God goes with it. And our affirmations, if they're not rooted in the word, they might make us feel better for about 30 minutes, but they don't have any power to transform anything, including our hearts and minds. So, So we go to the word then, if this is such a big topic, and if it is so important, and we, if it's worth our conversation, what does the Bible say about it? We start here in Hebrews ten, twenty three. let us hold fast. I want you to notice that. Hold fast. Notice that the writer of Hebrews is reminding us of the importance of holding tightly to the thing that we have confessed or professed. Why would the writer of Hebrews want you and I to hold tightly to the thing we have confessed? Could it be perhaps because there will be some pressure and some influence from the outside that would try to get us to turn loose of and let go of the things that we have confessed. Something interesting happens when you confess God's word over your life. The enemy is very quick to come and test whether or not you're going to hold on to the things that you have just said. Amen. It's true. So the writer of Hebrews is reminding us, firstly... That this confession of hope that we've made is something we need to hold fast to. I was just talking about this recently with my mom, actually, the other day. We were riding in the car. I said, I feel like there is just a concerted effort. Maybe in the body of Christ at large, maybe just locally, maybe just in our church, I don't know. But I feel like there's a, a concerted effort by the, by the kingdom of darkness, by the enemy to come after Christians with the intention of getting them to just let go of what it is that they were committed to, that they that they once believed about God. In fact, um, the way that it happens, I think, to a lot of people is that we, we're, we're walking with the Lord, we're... we're We're listening to what he is saying. We're doing our best to obey God and to be in his will and to move forward. And then something comes along that kind of knocks us off course. And the enemy, here's what the enemy does. He comes right there to tell us that what we believed had no validity at any point. It's like we're walking. You think about Peter walking on the water. We always get down on Peter because he sank, you know? We we forget that he was the only other human being to ever walk on water. So, Pete was doing some he was doing something right. Amen. And y'all remember the story? Jesus tells him to come out onto the water, and so Peter does, and he walks out on the water to meet Jesus. So there he is, being obedient to the voice of God, standing right with Jesus, together doing exactly what God asked him to do, doing exactly what Jesus told him to do. He's obedient, he's in the presence of the Lord, and he's doing what God told him to do, and he still sank. Why? Because just for a moment, he took his eyes off Jesus, and that was the opportunity for him to just sink. But, but, but the story doesn't stop there. The story is so redemptive, because the Bible says immediately Jesus Grabbed him. He cried out to the Lord, and immediately the Lord scooped him back up. And then they walked on the water together again. They had to get back to the boat. Jesus wasn't wet. They didn't swim. When they got back in the boat. What is the thing that Jesus asks Peter? He says, Peter, why did you have little faith? The word little in the Greek there could be translated short. In other words Peter you believed me you were we were walking on the water together bud you were trusting me you were walking by faith peter what why did you not hold fast why'd you let go for a second you see the devil tried to get in your head and convince you when things get difficult, that the faith that you have had for the things of God was totally invalid and that Jesus isn't even real and what were you doing trying to trust in a God that you can't see? Anybody ever had words like that come into your mind when things get tough? Come on. I'm here to tell you, hold fast to the confession of our hope. Why? Why can I hold fast because Jesus is faithful. He who promised is faithful. Jesus was right there to grab Peter when, when, when the going got tough. You can have confident trust. You can hold on to and cling to the things you have confessed. Why? Because Not because you're faithful. Because he's faithful. Oh, come on. If you believe that, give me a better amen. Hallelujah. So let me ask you this question. What are we confessing? The writer of Hebrews says that it's the confession of our hope. We know from previous studies and understanding that the word hope means earnest or intense expectation. So this says that we should hold fast to the confession of that which we're expecting. So what are we confessing? I'll tell you exactly what we're confessing. God's holy, powerful, written word. You want to confess something over your life? Confess the word of God. Not the latest mantra. Amen. Not the latest TikTok influencer statements of affirmation. It's time to confess the word of God. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. Best book of the Bible. For unrelated reasons. Joshua chapter 1. Listen to this. It's so good. I make that joke every time I turn to the book of Joshua, and somebody laughs every single time. I will keep making it. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. Just listen to this. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. It goes on in verse nine to say, have I not commanded you be strong and of good courage? How are you gonna be strong and of good courage? You're not gonna let this book of the law depart from your mouth. You're gonna meditate in it day and night. I'm getting a little concerned that the word of God has begun to depart from our mouths. When I was a kid growing up, we used, to, we used to talk about and hear about confession a lot. What are you saying? What's coming out of your mouth? Are you speaking the word or are you speaking the circumstance? Are you speaking God's word and his promises or are you, are you yielding to doubt and unbelief? Are you speaking the doubt thoughts that come to your head or are you speaking what the word of God says? I heard that a lot growing up. And I'm a little concerned that we don't talk about it a whole lot anymore. But we should. Because the writer of Hebrews said that we're supposed to hold fast to these things. And could it be that the weariness that we experience and the weariness that we feel uh, going to battle every day, getting up and going to work and going through the grind and dealing with issues in our marriages and dealing with issues in our family and, and, and trying to address the political climate in the, in, the, uh, in the world and trying to address all these different issues that we're faced with every day and there's, we're bombarded by all kinds of media and advertisements and thoughts and, and desires and just stuff coming at us all the time. And it gets hard to stay strong if you're trying to deal with that in your own strength. Could it be that maybe we've not held firm and held tightly to the word of God and let it influence our confession? I'm concerned that the generation that's coming behind us hasn't been told how important it is that they confess this word over their lives. In fact, I think we live in a world where words have become so casual that people assume that words are meaningless. We've been, we've we've seen it in the world. So frequently, people who say one thing and do something else. Maybe we've even been those people that have said one thing and done something else. We've watched people, men, women, that are not living up to the standard of their own word. And so what happens is words just sort of seem to become meaningless to us. But the reality is God still thinks very highly of words. He created them. Yeah. Leslie quoted it this morning. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. That doesn't change just because society starts to discount the the reality of how important words are. Y'all with me? I'm going somewhere. (laughs) It's time for a a generation that will stand up and reclaim the value of confessing God's word over their lives, their marriages, their families, their their careers, their decisions, their, their church, their community, their friends. Hallelujah. The word of God, it is the source of life and creation. Everything God created came from words. I don't have time to get into all of this, but I was going to talk a little bit about the difference between the word logos and rhema, and it would take too long, and I don't have enough time. I've already spent enough time talking about things. But maybe we'll come back to it next week. Maybe we'll talk about it a little further. But the word of God, as long as it remains a thought and never leaves the mind of the person thinking it, it stays... Locked in their head, right? You ever have a thought? Anyway, it's not a trick question. I mean, it's just, yeah. (laughs) You ever ever had a thought? Yeah, okay, yeah. You're probably having some right now about me. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Have you ever ever had a thought that just stayed a thought that you didn't say anything about? Yeah, all the time, right? (laughs) Especially if you exercise good restraint, right? (laughs) I have all kinds of thoughts I haven't shared. (laughs) If they only knew what I really thought of them. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) No, as long as that thought stays in your head and doesn't leave your mouth, it's just a thought. But when it comes out of your mouth, it now has some power behind it. It becomes actionable. It's, It's like the difference between a country or a nation that's plotting an attack versus a nation that has openly declared war. There's something significant about declaration and declaring things. You say, you're getting metaphysical, Pastor. No, I'm just looking at the Bible. Amen. We're just looking at the Bible. The Bible takes confession or profession. If you read it in in the King James, you might see the word profession instead of confession. It's the same Greek word. But the Bible takes it so seriously And it instructs us to do the same. Hold fast. Don't let go of the things you've declared. Why? Because Jesus is faithful. Let's look at a couple quick additional verses so we can drive this thought home a little bit. Romans chapter 10, verse 10. I quoted it to you a little bit ago, but it's worth looking at. Romans chapter 10, verse 10. This is exactly how you got saved, by the way. If you're a Christian this morning, if you're not a Christian, we'll give you a chance at the end of the service to confess your love for Jesus. Amen. Romans chapter 10, verse 10 says, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made to salvation. 1 Timothy chapter 6. We read this verse last week when I talked to you about fighting the good fight of faith. Look what it says in verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. What's he talking about? He's saying, Timothy, there's coming a day where there's a fight that you're going to have to fight to stay in faith. And when that day comes, I want you to remember the confession that you made. I want you to remember that you declared that Jesus was Lord over your life. When the going gets tough and the pressure comes in, I want you to remember the confession that you made. Hold fast to what you said about the Lord. Hold fast to what his word says about you. Hallelujah. We flip over just a couple pages and and, and the writer of Hebrews is going to town. Hebrews chapter 3, he mentions this word confession three times in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Jesus the Christ. Jesus is the subject of our confession. Oh man, when I, when I confess God's word over my life, I want you to get this. When I confess God's word over my life, I'm confessing the faithfulness of Jesus. I'm not, I'm not rubbing a lamp trying to get a genie to do something for me. I'm not, you know, this isn't Harry Potter and it's just, you know, abracadabra. No, this is I'm confessing the word of the living God, which is giving testimony to Jesus the Christ. Wow. Consider the apostle and high priest of our confession. See, when when you go to the word and you begin to consider what the Bible says about you and, and you begin to get the boldness to say, if the Bible says that about me, I'm gonna say it about me too. And you begin to do that, you need to consider that Jesus is at the center of all of that. You go to the very next chapter, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 was one of my the scripture was in the liner of my Bible when I was in Bible school. I used to, I used to think of and quote the scripture all the time. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. Are you sensing a theme? (laughs) Why do we need to hold fast? Because there's coming a day, my friend, and you may have already experienced it. I'm sure we all have. To varying degrees and varying times in life, there are coming days, there are moments where we're going to be tempted to let go of that which we have confessed. And I'm joining with the writer of Hebrews this morning to tell you don't do it. Hold fast. Double down. Get those vice grips of faith and wrap them around the promise of God and say, I'm not moving off of this promise. Come hell or high water, I don't care what the enemy throws at me. I will not be pushed and moved off of the promises of God. Why? Why can I hold fast? Because he who promised is faithful. Even when I let go like Peter for just a moment, He's still faithful. He still rescues me right away. Oh, it's like almost too good to be true. Hallelujah. So, practically speaking. You see what I did there? Some of you will get that later tonight when you're brushing your teeth. Practically speaking, let me give you three thoughts. Three thoughts, okay? Three thoughts. Confession is the best way if you're taking notes, write these down. Number one, confession is the best way to get God's word into your heart. It's the best way. It's better than just reading the scripture. Now, reading the scripture is not bad. And, you know, if you're on a crowded subway, just read the Bible. It's fine. You don't even, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel. You know, and everybody turns and looks at you like you're a weirdo. You don't have to do that. But, when, but, but listen, when you're by yourself, confession is the best way to get the word of God into your heart. Why? Because you're reading what God's word says. As you're reading it, faith is rising up in you. Because that's what the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So as I'm reading the Bible, faith is rising up in me. My response to that is to declare it over my life, and it's, it's just reinforcing that word in my heart even more. It's more potent than just sitting and reading. In fact, there are some studies, and I, I, would, I didn't look them up, so I'm probably going to butcher it, so I'll be very careful what I say for all the fact checkers out there. But there have been some studies that have talked about how much more your mind, in fact, is able to recollect and recall when you say something versus just writing it down versus just reading it. God gave you a voice. We ought to use it. Amen. So number one, confession is the best way to get God's word into your heart. And that's what God said in Joshua 1, verse 8. This book of the law shall not not depart from your mouth, but you'll meditate on it day and night. That's getting the word in you. It's one thing to just think about it. It's another thing to get it in you. So number one, confession is the best way to get God's word in your heart. Number two, confession is the best way to keep God's word on your mind. Amen. Confession is the best way to keep God's word on your mind. Have, have you ever read something and then five minutes later forget what you read? How about this? Have you ever been reading something and go, the heck did I just read, and go back and just, and just like, oh yeah, oh yeah, okay, oh yeah, I should pay attention this time. Yeah, yeah, we've all done that, right? We've all been there. confession is the best way to get God's word in your heart and it's the best way to keep God's word on your mind. If you just read something, it's easy to forget it, but if you're saying it, it's much harder to forget it. Amen. In fact, I've found in my life that the more times I'm confessing God's word, even if I don't understand it, all of a sudden the light bulb comes on while I'm confessing it and I go, I get it. Oh, I see that, Lord. Anybody else had that happen to him before? You're confessing God's word and you're like, I don't really understand what I'm confessing. And then, boom, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit illuminates it to you and you go, oh, Yes. Number two, confession is the best way to get God's word into your mind or keep God's word on your mind. Number three, confession is the best way to get God's word into your situation. Amen. Take it from me. I'm I'm telling you what I know. Confession is the best way to get God's word into your situation. Do you know that Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 12 says this? It says that God is watching over his word to perform it. God is watching over his... I want to tell you how highly God thinks of his own word. The book of Psalms says in Psalm 119, my word I have elevated above my great name. Pretty wild. It says in verse 45, uh, I believe it's verse 45 of Psalm 119, thy word, O Lord, is forever settled in heaven. God, God is so committed to his word that he settled it once and for all in heaven, that he has exalted his word above even his great name. This thing is so important to God, needs to be important to you too. So how's the best way for you to get this word to start influencing your situation? Speak it, declare it, confess it. Let your heart agree with what you're reading and then have the boldness and the faith to say, you know what, I believe that. I'm gonna talk about it. I'm gonna speak it. I'm gonna declare it. Why? Because God is watching over his word that he loves so much, waiting to perform it when people will take it seriously like he does. It's incredible. How did Jesus deal with the enemy? In the book of Luke, chapter three, or excuse me, chapter four, goes out into the wilderness. You know the story. He's fasting for 40 days. He's hungry. The Bible says he's hungry. I didn't need the Bible to tell me that he's hungry, but it doesn't leave out a lot of details, so... The scripture says after 40 days of fasting, he was hungry. What does the enemy do? Comes to him at his his potentially weakest moment and says, if you're really the son of God, you should turn these stones to bread. Nice warm bread sounds good, doesn't it? Jesus is like, I'm doing keto. Leave me alone. Sorry, devil, I'm paleo. (laughs) Not going to work this time. No, what does he do? He says, it is written. And then the devil comes with another temptation, and Jesus answers by saying, it is written. Every time the enemy came with pressure and with temptation, to try to push Jesus off of his purpose, to try to derail the Son of God, he answered with the word. My friend, can I ask you a question? If Jesus needed to answer his situation with the word, what makes you think you're going to do it any differently and have better success than Jesus? Jesus said, It is written. I want that to become your mantra. When, 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 when stuff rears its ugly head, when the enemy comes after you, when situations rise up and you feel powerless and you don't feel like you have anything left in the tank to, to fight off the enemy with, I want you to learn to plant your feet and say, It is written. Hallelujah. It's written. <laughs> and, and listen, don't let the enemy give you that number that he tried on Peter. That we talked about earlier where, where, where you have that idea come floating through your mind. And he tries to sell you on this idea that you didn't have any faith to begin with. Because I'm here to tell you, man, I've I've walked with the Lord most of my life. I was raised in a Christian home, Christian parents who believed the word and taught us to believe the word as well. I've I've <laughs> I've joked with you about this before. I've gotten saved so many times. I don't even know which time was the authentic one. I used to I remember going to bed and and I'd be like, like Abigail's age. You know? Hey, babe. I'd be like Abigail or Claire's age or even Sophia, just little, you know, five, six years old. And I'd be laying in bed and I'd be like, Lord, you know, because I heard that prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep, pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. So I was thinking like, okay, let's say something happens. I don't make it through this evening. (laughs) I just want to make sure that I'm saved. And I would give my heart to the Lord again. I did that a bunch as a kid. So I've, I've walked with the Lord for a long time, and I've known this word to be true, and I know that the faith that I have in my heart is authentic. And yet, even with that, I still have moments where the enemy comes to me and says, you're believing a lie, and the faith that you have is garbage. It didn't, it didn't, it didn't, didn't mean anything to begin with. How foolish of you to believe something. To believe that that God said that, that he would bless you. How foolish to believe that God said he would take care of all of your needs. How foolish to believe that God said that, that, that he would make you the head and not the tail. How foolish to think and believe that God said that, that he could do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or even imagine according to the power that is at work within you. You've been believing a lie all these years. I'm here to tell you when that moment happens, you know what you need to do? Hold fast and say, it is written. It is written. I'm not backing off of this enemy. Now, as we close, you can tell we're closing because the piano is making noise. (laughs) We have the best relationship. I just love how much we horse around with each other. It's awesome. As we close... I want to lead you in a confession. Can I do that? I'm gonna. I, I've prepared some stuff in my notes, and I want to lead you in these words. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now. This stuff, everything we're about to say, comes directly out of the Word of God. And I want to. I want to lead you in this, and I want you to declare these things over your own life, over your own family, your house, your wife, children, husband, children, whatever the case may be. I'm going to lead you in these confessions. And here's what I want you to do. As we go down through this, I want you to pay attention to what happens on the inside as you speak these things over your life. Now, listen, there's no pressure. If you don't believe this, don't say it. Nobody's paying attention. Nobody's going to, you know, challenge you after the service is over. I I noticed you weren't talking when the preacher was. No, none of that. Say this stuff if you believe it, but, but here's the thing. Say it in faith and watch what happens on the inside. Can we do that? Are you all okay with this? All right, listen to this. I want you I'm going to I'm going to declare this. I want you to declare it after me. I believe in God the Father. I believe in Jesus Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the power of the gospel. I believe in the return of Jesus Christ. I declare that Jesus is Lord over my life, over my family, over my home, over my career, over my decisions. My marriage is blessed by God. My children are blessed by God. My life is blessed by God. My life is highly favored by God. I am free from sin. I have been made the righteousness of God in Christ. I believe that I am filled with all the fullness of God. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me and gives life to my mortal body. I believe that by Jesus' stripes I am healed in my spirit, my soul, and my body. I am strengthened with might by God's Spirit in my inner man. I'm a doer of the word and not a hearer only. I am free from the curse of sin. I overcome every temptation. The Son of God has made me free. So I'm free from fear, from anxiety, from depression, and from strife. I believe that God is watching over His Word to perform it in my life. God has given me His wisdom, so I know just what to do. I am strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might, the Lord is taking care of all of my needs. Because God has made me the head and not the tail. I'm above only and never beneath. And I am blessed to be a blessing. Woo, glory to God. (laughs) Come on, doesn't that do something to your faith on the inside? you feel stirred up and strengthened by God. You see, everything that I just had you quote is directly out of the Bible, and every single one of those things is a promise that God has made you. There's like 600 more of those in this scripture. You say, pastor, I don't know. That feels weird. It feels strange. I don't know if I like doing that. I don't think I had, you know, I tried that once, and I didn't have good success with it okay, Peter, let's get out of the water. Let's walk back to the boat and let's get back to business. The word of God, the Bible says, is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And I'm here to tell you, you can, listen, don't, don't take my word for it. Go go to the Word. Go back to the source of all of this. Go back to the Bible. and, And look at what God has said in His Word. And decide whether or not you believe it. And if you believe it, be willing to confess it. And once you confess it, hold fast. Don't turn loose. Don't stop. Amen. Well, let's stand up to our feet. Thanks again for listening to the Hope Church Podcast. Our church exists to see people from all walks of life, know Jesus, connect and grow, discover their purpose and make a difference in this world. If you would like to connect with us further, or if you need prayer or assistance, please visit us at hopeboon.com, where Jesus loves you, we love you and your life counts.